1: Well, I wanted to start today's conversation with a bit of a heartwarming story from Upworthy.com. And the title is, A 109-Year-Old Spent His Final Years Knitting Tiny Sweaters for Injured Penguins." <laughs> and if this sounds like incredible and adorable, it is all of those things because it's exactly what it is. Aww. It is little sweaters knitted for penguins. And what do they, How do they get it. on? <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to tell you all about it. At 109 years of age, this is a quote from the article: Alfred Alfie Date had more than enough reasons to spend the remainder of his days living his most relaxed life, guilt-free. However, Date, the oldest person in Australia at that point in time, this was in 2015-16, I believe, he chose to use his free time putting out some good into this world, and he found the most adorable way to do so. Putting his generous and still nimble fingers to good use, the centenarian volunteered to use his knitting skills to help protect little penguins exposed to oil spills, um, which prevent them from staying dry. So he actually had been knitting since 1932. Wow. And he says, um, in the article, he says, I think I'd been in here at the retirement home for about 12 hours. It might've been 13 before two of the nurses came to me and said, we believe you can knit. And then they asked him to start knitting these sweaters for these penguins. (laughs) Um, And it's for this program called Knits for Nature, which helps rehabilitate penguins who have been exposed to oil spills. And basically the knitted sweaters keep the penguin from, you know, their beak from like, being able to like lick or like get their hands on these oil-covered feathers because obviously ingesting that oil would be deadly. Oil also damages their feathers and it makes them more susceptible to cold temperatures. Knits for Nature is an initiative of the Phillip Island's Penguin Foundation, which raises money to protect and support Phillip Island's wildlife. And according to the website, the last major oil spill near Phillip Island was actually in 2001, 438 penguins were affected. 96% were saved thanks to these jumpers. That's what sweaters are known in like England and and Australia. So he was knitting sweaters for them and up until his death and at the age of 110 in 2016, the website has a special place dedicated to him. I just thought this was a nice and uplifting way to start this week's conversation. If you want to learn more, you can go to penguinfoundation.org.au and you can even... When you go there, you can download your own rehabilitation jumper pattern and start knitting yourself.
2: Wow, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I love that story. Um, I have a fun one, too, and this is is not necessarily you know strictly nature, but this is more a new scientific development, which apparently uh, researchers at Harvard's John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, which they refer to as c's S- e-A-S, have figured out a way to create keratin sheets. By three D printing these sheets, and they're taking the keratin and basically from angora wool, which has been left over from the wool trades, and they have figured out how to give it "quote unquote" reversible shape memory. Right. So um, they explain that because of the the structure of keratin, um, a lot of times when a fiber is stretched or exposed to something particular, that the structures of it uncoil. And then when it's restored to its, its natural environment, it will go back to its original shape. So we experimented with this a little bit in grad school, Cass, right? When we would try to figure out how to take the wrinkles out of textiles that have been stored right. and crumpled for years and years and years. Like, fabric has this kind of inherent memory to memory, it. It wants yeah. to go back into its original shape. So this is, like, taking that to, like, the nth degree of, like, tech, <laughs> right? And they— if figured out a way to tell the material what its permanent shape is. And and let's say it was exposed to water and then it unfurled. Once it was, like, re-exposed to its original conditions, it would go back to its original shape. So there's a video that's so cool where they had created the keratin sheet originally in, like, an origami pattern. And then they put it in a tube, flattened it out, put it in a tube— I rolled it up, and then we put it in the water, which is the, the trigger for it. It went back into its origami shape.
1: Interesting.
2: <laughs> I might not be doing the best job of explaining this, but we will uh, post a link to the video where you can see all of this happening. And, and long story short, the, the gist of this is imagine if you had a T-shirt, right, that when you started to sweat, the T-shirt would automatically vent itself to cool you. Or, or one of the other applications they were talking about was perhaps for, um, bras that let's say your breast had gotten a little bit bigger, like at certain times of the month, you know, um, that maybe your bra, would not be able to kind of like read that and adjust for your body? So that's, that's way further down the line, but. But that was a really fun article. And apparently the, the head researcher on this, his name is Kit Parker, and, and he's a professor of bioengineering at this CS Institute at Harvard. So we will post a link for you guys to check that out too. Reversible shape memory via 3D printed keratin
1: textiles.
2: Not even textiles. It's, it's more of like a substance, right?
1: I mean, the future of fabric technology, or I mean, it's happening now really, but the future of our clothes is so interesting. We talked a little bit about it last week in our future fashion episode too, but like the technology that people are coming up with mm-hmm. now, the wearable technology, we've also talked in the past about bioleather, leather being grown in labs, so we don't have to, you know, the leather industry doesn't need animals to provide leather anymore. And that's exactly what this is
2: too. So they're just taking the keratin from like leftover wool, creating this other sort of material, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm so glad to hear that people out there are trying to figure out ways to make our fashion industry better in more ways than one. So we will definitely keep you guys apprised of technology as it develops. Um, (laughs) Something, I guess this isn't necessarily technology, although it it is a very interesting way to wear your mask. Um, There's this company called Wires Glasses, um, which is a generalist zero-waste 3D printed glass and sunglass company. And it's the brainchild of designer Yair Newman who got the idea after he handmade a pair of sunglasses uh, while on vacation um, out of a single piece of wire. And he did this because his glasses had apparently broken, um, but he still had his lenses. So he like made his own sunglasses. So that's really what this this company is based on. It's the wire um, is just Kind of their signature look is it just is under the lens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's joined by social entrepreneurs, Lily Cole, who's a supermodel, uh, Kwame Ferreira, and they all founded Wires Together. So um, what makes these glasses so cool and why I'm mentioning them today is because they came up with this kind of innovative way to wear a face mask that might be of interest to our listeners. And according to an interview with at Fashion for Good, which is an Instagram uh, account, they said at the beginning of the COVID crisis, our production had been delayed for three months, but also we kind of had this idea of thinking about how we could be helpful and contribute and wondered if it was possible to design a mask that would hang from the frames as opposed to from your ears. So after testing out what we came up with, we found this to be a much more comfortable experience to wear rather than elastic ties behind your ears and less likely to fog the lenses of your glasses. While wire glasses frames are much thinner than most, we specifically designed the holes in the mask wide enough so that that people can use the mask on any other pair of glasses. So you could do this on hmm. your own glasses just by their mask, which is super interesting that you may own and they fit any the optical or sunglasses with, uh, you know, arms up to 1.5 centimeters wide. And, you know, just a super cool company. Their masks are handmade in the UK. They use ethical fibers um, and fabrics and the masks are handmade to order and they ship within three to seven days. And if you buy one, they will donate a mask and hand sanitizer to a community in need.
2: Cool. So check it out. I'm going to, right after we get done doing this, I'm going to go check them out. So I have some auctions to talk about. Fabulous. And um, I really wanted to talk about the Augusta auction that's going to be on September 9th. But I realize that this episode is going to air after the fact. But let's just say I'm waiting with bated breath to see if I got my Bonnie and coats that I have bid on.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah, so and tell you, our tell our listeners a little bit about that process because uh, I don't think a lot of people know that you can actually do online auctioning and online fashion auctioning. Yeah,
2: so usually, typically, um, the bigger Augusta auctions, which they're um, based in Vermont, um, they hold one really large auction usually every fall in New York City, and then they have a couple other auctions um, that are. At their uh, space in Vermont as well throughout the year. But of course, due to COVID this year, the big fall auction is not going to be live in person. It's actually going to be online. Um, So that's how I was able to bid in advance. Um, Also too, just a heads up, if you guys ever want to like bid on something at a live auction, they usually have a system set up where they have someone who can bid on your behalf. Um, That's just kind of like a standard auction practice. Um, I can't speak specifically for Augusta, if they do offer that service or not, but a lot of auction houses do. But uh, that kind of led me down the path of thinking about, oh, I wonder what else is happening in the world of auctions. And did you know, Cass, that at Carrie Taylor, they are about to have the auction of Annabelle Nielsen? Does that name ring a bell to you? It does not. Well— she was the best friend, model, and longtime muse of Alexander McQueen. So mm-hmm. Annabelle passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 49, and now on September 22nd, Her entire 124-piece wardrobe of original Alexander McQueen pieces is coming up for auction. Wow. Yeah. So you guys can, if you hear this episode in time, you can kind of head over there and check everything out. Um, They have a really detailed website with all the pieces. It's really incredible. Um, You can also register to bid in advance if you would like to bid in the live auction. And Carrie Taylor has another couple of auctions coming up on October 27th and December 8th also. And um, just a little word about these two auction houses that I've just mentioned, Augusta Auctions in the U.S. and Carrie Taylor in the U.K. They specialize in fashion and textiles. Probably two of the biggest auction houses that that is their niche specialty only. So um, you can also just go over to their website and check out past auctions and
1: drool over. That's what I was going to say. They're... (laughs) You can sign, I think, for uh, Augusta and actually for Taylor, too. I think you have to create a login. Yes. Um, But it's free. And then you can, like, just spend, I mean, yeah, hours and hours and hours browsing their archive collection. Because, I mean— Alexander McQueen is a fairly contemporary designer Bonnie Cashin you know mid 20th century but then I mean all the way back as far as you can think they have stuff at incredible incredible pieces from you know, all over 18th, the world 19th too. century handmade
2: lace uh, the Augusta mm-hmm. auction had some really beautiful Uzbek 19th century chap on robes um, in Ecot that were absolutely stunning um, some of you may have already listened to our Ecot episode um, so there's lots of good things to look at and, and after of the auction, they will usually post what the sales price was, too. So right. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've ever actually mentioned this on the show before, but I'm actually a certified art, fashion, textiles appraiser. So that is how a lot of times if we're doing an appraisal on something, we might go to past auction results to see what the market is for that type of object or something similar that we're working on. And that's how we determine different systems of value a lot of times. So those past auction sales prices are actually very... Important to our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more...
1: For limited time dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the fillet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba 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 ba.
1: And speaking of fashion designers, I wanted to talk about an Amazon Prime TV show that's actually been out now for two years, but I just discovered it. And actually, I didn't discover it. Sean discovered it. (laughs) Um, So it's a TV show called The Art of Style. And as far as I know, there's only one season from 2018. But it basically explores... The creative world that inspires today's leading artists and designers. So I don't know why there's only one season. There should have been more because it's pretty incredible. Um, but so it's uh, interviews, short interviews too, like ten to fifteen mm-hmm. minutes, um, with people like you know Tom Brown and his boyfriend Andrew. Bolton, um, Met Curator, you know, Iris Van Herpen, all these contemporary designers, but also fashion photographers. There's a really great episode with one of my all-time favorite fashion photographers, Tim Walker. He did this whole series inspired by Bosch and- The artist. The garden. garden, Yeah, the artist Bosch. the Garden of Earthly Delights. If you have not seen this painting, um, it's actually a triptych. Um, but if you haven't seen this, Google it immediately because it's this incredible painting from like the mid 15th century. And you would think it was something that like a surrealist at least did in the 30s, but not in the 15th century. Um, Sean and I actually stumbled across it, not knowing that we were going to see it at the Prado in Madrid. Just incredible. I don't even know how to explain it except for it's all of these different scenes of depicting people as they exist in heaven, as they exist in paradise, which are apparently two different things, and then in hell. Um, And so, like, it's just very whimsical, um, magical. And a little terrifying terrifying it's amazing (laughs) and tim walker who also does creates artwork along those same lines i would say um and that's why he's one of my favorite photographers because he really deals a lot with like magic and and surrealism and he just does the most beautiful fashion photographs check that one out if you're going to watch 1, if you're going to watch 2 or maybe you have to watch both of them, you have to watch the georgia o'keefe episode, which is the only one that deals with not a contemporary fashion designer, and it's so well done. It has like contemporary footage of her. She of course lived and worked in New Mexico. Um her house, she lived on this 21,000 acre a place called Ghost Ranch. We filmed there a lot, but I've never actually gone to her home, which you can, and I'm a little embarrassed to say that I haven't been there, but um Anyways, April. It's directed by Lisa Freeland, who you know um, that name sounds familiar. Sounds familiar to our listeners. It's because she's married to Alexander Freeland, who is the grandson of, of course, the legendary Vogue editor, Met curator, fashion history maven. Um, Style icon. The list goes on. Diana Diana Vreeland. Yes, 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 (laughs) yes, yes. yes. And actually, we you
2: and I have talked about this, um, asking Lisa to come and join us on the show because she did a really fascinating documentary on style, tastemaker, author, costume designer, bon vivant extraordinaire, Cecil Beaton. So. Yeah. And Diana Vreeland. Yes. She did both. Yeah. So I think the last thing maybe I want to talk about today is going to make you my friend very happy because what is your favorite period of fashion history? That would have to be the teens. I That's think that. right. <laughs> well, get this. Um, Project Gutenberg has done this incredible job of scanning the 1,500 pages of the Herods for Everything catalog. Wow. Which dates to 1912. So. Lovely. Yeah. So it has 15,000 products in this catalog. (laughs) Apparently, (gasps) it took them 13 years to scan it. I'm not sure why it took them that long because... 13 years is a really long time to scan 15,000
1: pages. Is it just the one catalog or is there more? Because that would make sense if there was like all the catalogs.
2: No, well, I think it was just this particular catalog. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, it's not clear. But anyway, what is in this catalog is like this compendium of fashion history and not even fashion history, but just like material culture of the era that is supremely fascinating. You know, things like you can send in and receive your own custom taxidermy. Let's say you went hunting and you killed an elk. Well, you could send it to Herod's, and they would take care of that taxidermy for you. They offer these services through the catalog. Um, Of course, there's things like custom tailoring. I spent quite a lot of time in the section for hair pieces that women could order um, for those elaborate kind of and sculpted updos of the 19-teens. <laughs> you could order your wedding cake from Harrods via this catalog. You can order cameras. You can order driving goggles. You can order brass knuckles. Um, you can order children's swing sets, furniture, tea sets, car leases in 1912. Like don't, They're like, don't buy a car, lease it. Like, which is very early on in this in this automobile um, culture itself. So uh, head over to Project Gutenberg and you can type in Harrods for everything, 1912, and that will pop up. And I could have spent five hours just looking at this catalog. And maybe I will at some point. I just didn't have time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And for our listeners who might not know, Harrods is kind of like the big luxury department oh, store yeah, sorry. in London. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's like one of those mail order catalogs like Sears or whatnot, um, but they probably have maybe a more luxurious range of pieces. I'm not sure. Yes, exactly. Um, but it's They're kind it's, of like a, kind a high,
2: super high-end department store.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would essentially get this, you know, catalog mailed to your house. And then back in the day, you would send your money somehow. I think you and I have talked about this. So we're always like amazed how this like transaction happened worked and then you would just get your your goods delivered sometimes in the case of sears an entire house Mm -hmm. um so as super fascinating like you said look back at material culture as like kind of like an insight into people's lives the everyday life yeah
2: yeah absolutely
1: uh, do you have anything else for us this week? I don't. I think that does it. I think we've given people plenty of things to do or think about. So Great.
2: So I think, again, that does it for us this week. We hope that you will join us on Tuesday for our full-length episode. As always, thank you so much to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartMedia that makes the show possible each week.
1: Catch you Tuesday.